Hi, I'm Michael Hutchins. I'm Andrew Farris. Yes, come on, wake up. We're trying to play some music here. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is Bee and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Well, hello, welcome to NXS Access All Areas, episode 82, the podcast that aims to dive deep into the legacy of NXS, uh, bring a community along for the ride. Have fun and try to get this band into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. B, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm in my nighty. Oh, hmm. okay. So it's a bit of a late one for us tonight, isn't it, darling? It is. It, it is. is. But, uh, and you've been out all night. Where have you been? Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, you Was didn't. Oh, what did you do? Was it work till 6.30? Quick, Viet- quick Vietnamese meal with a friend from primary school. Headed home because the podcast, like the mail, must get through. Anyway, B, how's your excess week been? Um, my NXS week has been pretty tame, actually. I've got a feeling something's about to bubble, and I feel we've been getting something rather exciting together with the team today. So it's all been hands on deck and trying to figure out what we're going to do, but we've got it together, and it's very exciting, and we'll explain later on in the yeah. show. Well, I think at the end of maybe the last episode, if we remember correctly, we may have just announced we hit over 50,000 downloads, and Maybe at the time yeah. of this going out, we'll be close to 51,000. But We're over, Nate. We're over oh. 51. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, thank you to everybody who's yeah. been sharing and telling everybody about us. It's just, yeah, uh, yeah going gangbusters. Well, we hope you're enjoying it, and uh, hopefully we look back on this number as a paltry number in the future, mm-hmm. but we uh, look on it as a massive number now. So mm-hmm. thanks to all of you. Uh, especially our patrons who have cornerstone of allowing us to keep going. So, but last week was a bit of a dive deep with Andrew talking about Michael and we did wrap up a couple of welcome songs. I think that episode seemed to connect with a lot of people out there in the week that commemorated sort of Michael's passing still. Yes, I got a lot of feedback and people are enjoying all of the Andrew and Mark episodes, but that one in particular was quite good, wasn't it? It, it really rounded off the actual series of uh, podcasts that we did with Andrew and Mark. I think, you know, hearing Andrew, uh, which as we sort of explained, I think at the time was we're coming to the end of four hours. Maybe we wore his resistance down or maybe he equally felt comfortable to share uh, some of those inner moments that he had with Michael, uh, you know, and the band, B. Mm-hmm. So we've got something coming very special from Andrew and Mark. I've been watching the post and I know that it's been now it's in Mark's hands. So hopefully it's very exciting that we'll be getting the Baby Don't Cry single signed by not only Mark, but also Well, this Andrew. is the 20th and maybe the last and only edition because it was only a promo copy uh, of the original single of Baby Don't Cry on vinyl. So mm. uh, I am keen to see how how and who gets that particular prize. If, and if, do you want if you to haven't know how, yet, get yeah. in the bid. Do you want to know how much it's gone up to already? Yes. $320 as we talk. Okay. So that's mm. within about a week of uh, putting it out there. And it's uh, how long is that up for? Two weeks or? It's been up for a week. So it's going yep. up for 10 days. So okay. good luck to everybody on that one. 
Okay, well, get your bids in and keep monitoring. And as I said, you'll be the prized owner of probably, well, the only copy that will have a commemorative signature and detailed out to you as the winner. Also, a little bit of a just a, a kudos. I know we, uh, at the time of recording say we've had the next newsletter go up, but I, I do want to give a little bit of acknowledgement to uh, Newsletter 25. I thought that was one of the best we had. And mm-hmm. uh, if you haven't sort of read it yet, it's chock full of sort of information and stuff. And uh, kudos to the team behind there that do all of that, Be I think there's three lovely ladies you want to sort of also say thank you to. They're amazing. So we've got Foxy, Laurie, and uh, Danielle, and they're all fighting. They say, no, so and so is better than me at this. But they're creatively, they're amazing, amazing girls. They get this out and they're so excited about it as well. So, yeah, this episode that they, well, this newsletter is absolutely jam packed, isn't it? They've done mm. such a good job with it. Listen in a little bit more because that ties in with the competition. All right, it was great having two new patrons join last week, B, but uh, we will now hand over to you to do a bit of a readout of uh, the existence. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Well, hello to our honorary members, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Cameron Adams and Mary Woods. Also like to say hey to our patrons, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markram, Sarah Camria, Dr. Jim, Katie, Felicia, Lisa Mack, Lisa Urban, Lisa Calloway, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Vern, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Warren, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, John, Jackie, uh, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Ace, Bed, Genevieve, Ali, Shelby, Manny, Laurie, Laurie T, I should say, uh, Jill, Leanne, Peter, Matthew, and Peter Law, aka Leos. Nice to have your company. We also want to just acknowledge again and remind everybody out there, we do have a little bit of a a crowd sort of campaign at the moment to help restore Sudi's legacy of her collection. How's that tracking? I know you're putting a lot of time into that at the moment. Yes, I've had a lot of uh, people contact me with books and magazine um, cutouts and articles. So thank you so much. It's in Australia. I'm not sure about how people are getting them together for America. Please, if you've got anything and you want to help out, let us know. Yeah, you could leave, you know, I mean, I guess whether you're a patron or not a patron, you could leave your details uh, probably through email with us, through Carrie Ann or through uh, yourself, B or me or whoever the, the contact list is. And if it is meaning, you know, we do, you do need to get Sudi's address to send something from the Northern Hemisphere directly to her place in the Northern Hemisphere, you can do. If you're in Australia, we'll bundle everything together and, and send it off. So uh, hearts out to Sudi, and we just hope we can make the painful incident slightly less painful with this mm-hmm. exercise. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, on more upbeat news, B, we've got a bit of a fun podcast this week in terms of the topic. Uh, we've got the B line coming back, which is uh, effectively B doing a George Michael. This is where she goes solo a bit from me in topics. That's what the B line is really, isn't it, B? <laughs> yeah. It's a famous lyric. I'm not planning on going solo. I don't know. You come out with that one every time. Well, you know, this is where you've done your topic and you've, you've got your little guest on and we've been able to actually land the guy who had John Ferris as his uh, best man at his wedding. Does that sound right? Yeah, yeah. No, he's a, a really good friend of the whole band and what comes, well, we'll talk about it afterwards. I'm really delighted to um, have him on the show and I can't wait to share the interview with you because it was really lovely. He's a really nice guy and I can see why they would want him to be their friend as well. Well, as you know, I've probably listened to it twice over the last couple of days. I was just like the fanboy listening in and uh, I myself got a lot out of it too. So uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, hang tight uh, to our topic and enjoy that one as well. So, but I guess, B, it's that time for... It's time for the news. G'day, this is Glenn from Sydney and I'm listening to my weekly dose of In Excess Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for what you need. It's time for the news. Take it away, guys. All right, B, well, our countdown worked quite well last week with all these jam-packed bits of news, so I thought we might actually do it again, okay? What number are we at first? You're making me work tonight, aren't you, okay? (laughs) Number one. All right, chart news. Uh, The album is still in the top 50. It has had a slight slip. Uh, It's gone from 41 to 46, but... Hopefully that's not going to keep tailing out backwards. I'm okay with that. I'm okay as long as it stays in the top 50. But like (laughs) for the next couple of weeks, it's got to go back up, hasn't it? Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Number two. All right, another little bit of news. The Wiggles. Everyone knows the Wiggles worldwide as this sort of uh, band. Oh, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I think it was the Blue Wiggle. I don't know if it's the purple. I think it's the Blue Wiggle. He used to be in a band called The Cockroaches in Australia mm. in the mid-'80s, and they had two top ten hits, and I guess they were on a lot of gigs and tours and bills within excess uh, in their heyday. Anyway, apparently at our ARI Awards, which are the equivalent of the American Grammys. The Blue Wiggle was recounting a story on radio this week of his clumsiest and silliest moment where he saw the NXS guys at their table at the Ari Awards and he walked over and then tripped over and then knocked over red wine all over the table and whiskey and all sorts of things. Um, so much so that later on, the Blue Wiggle recounted that story bumping into Tim or Andrew or someone someone from the band somewhere, and they remember the story as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's something about like he, he went over to congratulate them and the wine yep. just went everywhere. He says, yep. and the whole of In Excess and their wives just scattered. Bolted off the table to the <laughs> just visualise it, can't you? I mentioned it to Tim because, like, he was on there and he said, yep. I cannot believe how much traction this story is getting. Right. <laughs> Wiggles Wigg- spills on In Excess. <laughs> well, it is now the red wine wiggle, isn't it? Yeah. And, look, quick thank you out there to Cameron Adams from Herald Sun retweeting uh, one of our podcasts last week out to some people. I think, B, we saw that. Mm-hmm, we did. Thank you, Cameron. Okay. All right. But I'm going off record. Uh, what number are we up to now? <laughs> Three. All right. Some gigs. Uh, I think the Don't Change Boys, B, have paused their South Australian gigs. So if you haven't bought tickets, do yourself a favour, go back and see why and whatever. But I think they might have paused that Adelaide gig. Might be uh, COVID borders issues again. Uh, who knows? 
But, might have uh, just been a very big gig at the weekend because they well, were down at Newcastle. I'll just down in my little notes here, Paul, Carmen and Glenn, three of our Oh, yeah, patrons. that was the week before. Yeah, yeah, they were down in Wollongong, I think, at one of the gigs and there was photos to show and um, uh, all Live say, streaming, it was fun. What happens at a Don't Change In Excess cover band gig stays at the gig. Yeah, Carmen really uh, enjoyed the South, didn't she? Bless her. But they've got more gigs on the Sunshine Coast in 2022, and I think they've just announced another gig for Lazots in May. But I think there's one. Mm. Is there one in December coming up? I think, but there's another one in May. They so. work. They work pretty hard, those boys. Can we, we get do. them on again one day? Well, we, we're quite interested in getting Blair on and maybe someone from the band and and just discussing a different angle, between, you know, about being mm. a cover band and really exploring that in a little more detail and some of the material. So we are working on that. Also to the Live Baby Live guys, they are playing uh, up in Coffs uh, pretty soon, B, in about five weeks' time at the Hoey Maui Beer Garden. Is that right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and also one of the RSLs, I think, in on the 8th of January. I, I can't quite pronounce this, but I think it's Woshope. W-A-U-C-H-O-P-E. I'll be corrected by anyone out there who can pronounce, but they're playing at the Woshop RSL on the 8th of January and then at Coffs Harbour on the 14th. B will be in the front row. Also, too, last night uh, on Saturday, Inexcessive played at the Unity Hall in Redfern, uh, which I guess is in the inner city of Sydney. I think they're the longest standing Inexcess cover band. I think they've been going since 98. Kudos to them for doing what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, absolutely. Next number, B? Four. <laughs> My right. favourite number. Yeah, there's, there's a publication, I think, called RVM, which is a music publication. There was some really good footage that came out this week in one of their publications, some very rare footage of uh, when In Excess in November 98 came back and played at the MCG with Jimmy Barnes, uh, which was part of the Mushroom concert 25th year anniversary. And I must say I haven't seen this footage before for whatever reason. If I have, it was a long time ago and very grainy. This was... Uh, perfect footage uh, it looked like very official footage and um it was where you know NXS played very much for the first time post michael passing and i guess they played the love one which barnsey sung the majority of the song and then they played good times where friend of the band diesel whose last name is lazotte okay yeah his yeah, brother the, runs lazotte exactly. but diesel played uh, well sung the michael part in good times and it was sort of sad and and it was sort of you know fun seeing the band get up again and, and do that at the time, you know, yeah. um, some sort of just 12 months later after uh, after Michael passed. And uh, what made that little gig quite famous was Andrew's golf hat. When he was on the uh, keyboards there, Andrew went through a little little golf hat phase, a uh, little sort of uh, floppy Australian hat there where he was playing away and felt very content. He looked like he could almost be doing lawn bowls with it, actually, B. Where is this little bit of footage? Where have you, was it? RPM which is a, a, a publication there. I will uh, try and see if I can, you know, post it out on our one of our platforms. Uh, yeah. But it is excellent, excellent sort of quality footage. Okay. It's not, yeah. it's not uh, bobbleheads with cameras and things. It's actually very official. Great. All right. Next number. Oh, number five. All right. Bit of Media Wars, B. Can you get the <gasps> tracks going, Media Wars? Oh, excellent. Okay. This is Katie from England. You're listening to NXS Media Wars. All right. Well, Andrew Ferris has uh, been out on the touring circuit this week after his uh, NXS Access or Areas uh, uh, Marathon's Mark Opitz Extravaganza. 
Uh, Andrew gave a whole 34 minutes uh, to another podcast <laughs> just a week ago. Now, this podcast is called The Rider with a guy called Becco. Now, I don't really know Becco. He sounds like he's a New South Wales guy who knows the band and things. But uh, it was his inaugural sort of commencing podcast. And uh, uh, Andrew, probably the first half, reiterated virtually everything he said on our podcast. And maybe he was sort of fresh off house and <laughs> had it all fresh in his mind. There is sort of one or two interesting things, especially when it talks a little bit about Michael's possibly singing the Better Than Oasis bit. There's a oh. really good hub anecdote there, which Andrew failed to tell us on our podcast that I say to listeners, check this out because oh. it is worth tell uh, me. that story alone. Tell me. Come on, huh? let's go off air a minute and tell nah, me. Nah, no, you have, to, oh, you, have to oh, listen, you have to listen into it, okay? You're not fair tonight. <laughs> but not to be able to be done, okay, we do know there's that man himself. He hates to sort of uh, slip back into the, uh, the also-rounds in Media Wars. Kirk has popped up on a, a very famous Australian podcast called The Howie Games. Now, personally, Howie is a guy called Mark Howard who probably came up with one of the very first podcast ideas around five to ten years ago here in Australia. He's a bloody annoying guy, but he's had a very successful history of podcasts with guests, and I believe Kirk has popped up on that particular one, and uh, there's some interesting discussions and things about, about Kirk and his career and uh, said things on tour and stuff that he goes through. I haven't listened to the, the entirety of it, but, uh, again, we would encourage uh, mm. those who want to learn more about the band, keep listening. Yeah, keep listening. All right. That's the news of the week, B. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Big shout-out to Hayden and B. Also want to say hello to all the listeners and NXS fans. Thanks for listening. I love you, Hayden and B. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. the Netherlands. You're listening to In Excess, Access All Areas with Hayden and B. And now it's time for the topic of the week. Going into the B-line today where you just recently dived deep with uh, Simon Yo, who has, uh, I guess, what we call uh, a special or the special relationship with John in terms of meeting him and forming, I guess, a lifelong friendship, you know, from this 30s to now yeah. what is uh, the same year they're born where they're 60. As a bit of a fan of podcasts, I listened to your beeline, so kudos to you. Well done in this interview. And again, part of our mission in, in Access Access All Areas is to take you to a place where none of us were and act like flies on the wall. And I felt that Simon and especially yourself were able to get uh, that sort of fly on the wall mentality where we all could peek in and listen to a time where we wish we were a part of. Yeah. Okay. We'll sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Beeline, Simon Yo. Hello, hello, Steve. Hi. Hi. So, where hello. are you today? You're coming from? I'm, I'm in. I'm in London, in the UK. Whereabouts um, in London are you? A place called Battersea. Which oh, you right. Know, you, yes. live, you used to live in London, didn't you? I did, yes. I used to see yeah. the power station before they did it up, I think. They've done yeah, it up now, yeah. haven't they? Yes, they have. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the actual power station itself is still a work in progress, but all the surrounding areas have been developed. Well, they're making it into some sort of attraction. Yeah. I think they're trying to make it into like a mall or something like that with cinemas and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, like the Westfield Centre. 
Oh yeah, so, lovely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just what you want another shopping centre. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, they've kept all the chimneys, so you still got that Pink Floyd um, pigs in the school, whatever it was, with the floating. So no good were... talking to me about Pink Floyd. It goes over <laughs> my head. So you've always lived there. I um no, I grew up in um, Hastings, or just outside Hastings, which is on the southeast coast. Oh, nice. UK, and I moved up to London when I was about um, 19, I think, something like that. Certainly, that's where Paula actually had her holiday home in um, Paula Yates. It's strange, that, isn't it? Mm. And she loved it there as well, didn't she? Yeah. I think um, the girls have taken on um, her home and they, one of them yeah. is down there, or they have it as a holiday home still. Mm. Yeah. As a seaside resort, I don't I know, maybe because, like, you, you know, you, you kind of just, you know, maybe not as infused about places that you have too much familiarity with, maybe. I will see it as a bit of a rundown area, you I know. I think I ever went. I, I don't even yeah. know where it is. It's a strange it place. It's between Dover. Yeah, well, it's a little bit further east than Eastbourne. Between Dover and Eastbourne, get the idea, yeah. Hey, I'm Bex- from Birmingham, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We won't say any more than that. I escaped very okay. quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, sorry well done for all the, the Birmingham listeners. <laughs> yeah. I left when I was 26 and went down to London for 10 years and that was brilliant. So how yeah. I thought we'd go with this is we sort of like go backtracking and okay. find, and really go from how you first met the boys, really. Um, my girlfriend at the time um, was very good friends with Paul Craig. Did you know who Paul Craig is? I do. Yeah, so she was good friends with Paul Craig and um, I got to know Paul as well. And I think they were shooting Strangest Parties off, off the old Kent Road in a studio off the old Kent Road. I run a merchandising company which I supply promotional giveaways and stuff like that. And at the time I was doing a lot of work for the music industry and one of, one of the acts that I was working on was in excess for the, the, the Live Baby Live or Live Baby Live whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, album. That, I think, and I'm trying to think that if that was the first one where I did stuff before. I can't remember, to be honest. So you did um, merchandise for Live yes, Baby for Live? Poly- for Polygram. Yeah. Anyway, so he invited me to this shoot. I was talking to him in the, in, I think in the trailer or, or a back of a van or something. Anyway, all the band came in and said hi, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, great, interesting to meet you guys. And I was an excess fan at the time. It was interesting to meet them. And then um, afterwards, this is a kind of weird coincidence thing. I think I was at the Conrad Hotel in Chelsea Harbour and I met John and his wife-to-be then. had a, you know, conversation with him. But, you know, I was kind of like, I didn't want to be kind of the starstruck kind of like kind of individual so you know I think okay you know it's good that he remembered you and you stroke up yeah yeah anyway so then I went this then fast forward probably about six months um, I was at a friend's um, birthday party in Hong Kong and we all adjourned to his um, room this friend's of mine's room anyway someone phoned up and said look always a friend of my friends phoned up and said we're in reception but I'm with the drummer from in excess can I come up? And I said, God, that's kind of weird coincidence. Yeah, you know? of all the bands. And then we sort of looked at each other and go, what are you doing here? And I'm going, yeah, well, what are you doing here? And of course, he, I think John was living in Hong Kong at the time. Yeah. And um, we, spent, I think we spent the whole evening um, 
talking um, enjoyed our, our, each other's company and then then forced fast forwarding I'd say maybe it's about five years from then they were in London was it the were, Brixton they, concert that you went to so that was an interesting story so um, the Brixton concert I think was um, that would be so, 94 um, so Paul Craig, yeah, Paul Craig mm. asked me, um, said, do you want some tickets? And very cheekily, I said, yeah, could I have 20 for all my clients, my, <laughs> my, my merchandising and, and uh, all the clients that, so I used to do a lot of work for like different entertainment industries. So I had film clients, I had computer games clients, I had all these different clients. And anyway, weirdly, Paul Craig said, yeah, okay. And I had this guest list of 20. And I even, I think, when this came up, this came up years later, and they go, so you're the Simon Lowe that had this ridiculous 20 people guest list. I think the band were joking that they were only allowed five people or something like that. (laughs) Anyway, all my clients went down and went to this this gig, and it was like amazing um, gig. Next day, I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to be like a hanger on and so I went home um, and then Paul Craig phoned me up I think the next day and said where were you the band are waiting to to see you again <laughs> anyway so then, then then we fast forward to the Hong Kong thing that we I talked about two years after that John was uh, well the band was here um, staying at a hotel I can remember I can't remember what it was called but it was off the Marble Arch which I'm guessing must have been about 95, 96, I'm guessing. And then they came back again soon afterwards to promote the Elegantly Wasted album in 97. yeah. And they were staying at the Athenaeum. And that's where I really spent a lot of time. Um, So in 96 or whenever it was, when they were over here, they were writing the album or or something. I don't know. John um, phoned me up and said, I'm in town. I said, great, well, let's go and get some Chinese food. And he goes, no, I'm really tired. And anyway, I think about half an hour later, he phoned me back and said, come on, let's go. And so we, we had a Chinese meal. But then, as I say, the, the time where we spent a lot of time together was when they were in, in London for the um, for the Elegantly Wasted album, promoting that. And they were very uh, excited to promote that. Was there a yeah, good vibe? Yeah, you know, yeah. I, thought it was, I, I thought it was a great album. Nice. And I thought, um, so the inside line on that, because I was working for Polygram, they also represented you too. Yeah. It was very clear at the time that they were putting all their eggs mostly in the U2 basket. So before mm-hmm. I think it was very much in excess was the was the band of choice yeah. as far as they were concerned with the marketing. But I really got the sense, and I, this is my opinion, not I have no facts to verify this, but from what I remember, for whatever reason, they started to back you two slightly more. And that was very much I perceived as a turning point where they kind of lost a, a level or in the, in, on the ladder. Why, so why do you think that was happening? Just because I of just what have was no this? idea because when you look at the album, I think the In Excess album, the oh. album is so much superior. It's so you know, superior. I really do. Yeah. So I just don't know why that was happening. I just don't know why that was happening. But that was the sense I got from the brand managers um, at the time because, as I say, I was I was working on both. I think both of them mm. um, at the time, and I really got the sense that the you know that they were pushing the U two album more than. The because the U2, I just don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry, not the U2. But I think the, it was pop. Was it pop? 
Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it Um, was huge. It was really like the UK was right behind that tour and the um, album. It was on the TV every five minutes. Yeah, yeah. there wasn't much about Elegantly Wasted. It was only uh, TGI Friday. That's the only I went with them to the TGI Friday gig um, and interview. And it looked really good vibe in there. Everybody was really pleased yeah, to see them Yeah, yeah, you, know, you know, all of it, all of it, it was, I, you know, I, I still to this day cannot understand that decision at all. Why? Why? But it was, it seemed evident to me that that's what was going on. For some reason, they were putting more eggs in the, in the U2 basket than the in excess basket. And I think, you know, possibly they missed a trick there because I think if you examine them now, the two albums now, I think the Elegantly Wasted album is, is, is far superior. Yeah, it's great. That's kind of an, um, an objective view rather than, you know, looking So did you it. get into the music after you met John, really? You no, no, I, I was always, I always enjoyed their music. I have to say, I always enjoyed their music. Yeah. That's why, you know, in the first instance, that's why I was kind of keen to go to that Brixton gig. Oh yeah, loads of times. Yeah, yeah loads he was of making his um, solo album at the same time, wasn't it? So we had uh, we had quite a lot in common because you know he 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 had this place in the south of France. My mother had a place in the south of France, quite close to where his place was. But my mum was um, on the coast by Joanne, a place called Joanne Le Pan, and so he was familiar with that. Um, he had a Ducati motorcycle, which I also have a Ducati motorcycle. Actually, I was talking to my children this about this and I regret being too immature at the time. I didn't engage with him as much as I should have done. He was very open. So there's one time I, I was invited to go to the Paris gig, which was, I think, the, one of the opening thing um, concerts for the Elegantly Wasted Tour or something like that, as far as I remember. And flying into Paris and then going there. As we walked into the car park area, it was an underground car park. And if you imagine inside car park on the first floor, there was an open window, which was like obviously like a security viewpoint or something like that. And I could see the whole band up in the window, obviously having some kind of meeting or discussion. And he saw me and came legging it down the stairs and oh. came and said, hi, hi, and, you know, so nice to see you here, which I, I was totally unexpected because, yeah. I, as I said, I, my relation was really with John. Yeah. Um, but um, still. But he was always incredibly, incredibly generous, nice people. Well, all of them are incredibly all of them generous, are. nice yeah. people. Yeah. I get that you know. feeling. Mm. Yeah, really, you know, extraordinarily so. Um, not what perhaps you'd expect from such successful people that, you know, you know, if I'm honest, they gave me some of the, you know, some of the greatest memories that I still, you know, still carry. Allow me access to this world that, 
you know, I had an inkling about because of the work that I did, but to be so free to let someone they kind of barely knew into their kind of fold of confidence, if you like. Did you go on your own or did you take Yeah, no, I went on my own at the time. Once the Elegantly Wasted album kicked off, I think John phoned me up and he said, can you come out to America and hang out and stuff? And I thought, yeah, okay. And (laughs) I think from what they told me, no one has ever been allowed on the bus, um, including wives and stuff. And I think, you know, I was the first person that was allowed. I did two weeks on the East Coast yeah. uh, of America from starting at Atlanta, then flew to, I'm trying to remember, I think we flew to Tampa. How old were like you then? In your 30s? So no, I'm, I was born in 61 um, and it was that was 97. Yeah. So, so yeah, you 35 were. or something. So, nice. Yeah. So John's, John's the same age as me. One of the things I, I do as well as my merchandising business is I, I teach martial arts and, and lots of children. So he came and watched one of my children's classes with his family and I, his children came and did the class and stuff like oh, that. Oh, lovely. Very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think he and I went out for some food with, with the children and his wife stayed with my wife. My wife was having a party for some mums of the school and kind of thing and Kerry stayed for for that. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was nice. Yeah, that's lovely. Well, I was speaking to Timmy about you a couple of nights ago that I was having. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that I was going to um, speak to you. And he goes, I don't know if there's anything about your nexus in there. I says, don't you worry, I'm sure there will be a little bit. <laughs> and he says, but he's a very sweet man. And he regretted that he didn't get to see you when he, went, he came over to Italy. Italy. Yeah, yeah. that was a... Re- that was a crazy um, situation because he was in Italy, and then I went to my I went to my my father's had a place in Italy, which was not far from where he was. And literally, I think as we arrived in Italy, he went to London. Oh, difficult! Yeah. And then all the time, because unfortunately, my dad was you know he's since passed away, but it was kind of the last time I spent with my father. Oh. So. It was, I couldn't have just gone, okay, dad, I'm out of here. I need to go and hang out with a friend. So literally we swapped places. So as he came back to Italy, I went back to England. It was just a a hopeless situation where, you know, we we were in the same countries, but then we weren't. (laughs) (laughs) Go back to the East Coast of America. Yes. so, so how long was you on there? Two weeks or more? It was about two weeks. So, so we went up from Tampa and then we went up the East Coast, I think, North Carolina. I remember Fort Lauderdale, Washington, ended up in New York. So you, you probably have like a t- better timeline than me. I'm <laughs> relying on mem- memory. You might have. <laughs> so how were the gigs as you were going along? Were they were they selling out or how how was their reception? Yeah, they look pretty like, busy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They, they're all pretty busy. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could see, I could see for whatever reason, the boys, you know, the guys were used to playing much bigger gigs. I could see mm. that for sure. And there was a bit of moaning about why they weren't playing bigger gigs. Okay. That's you know, because I was joining. I don't know. I don't know the dynamics of what was going on 
there. So um, what did you do for yourself? So at the daytime, you'd be driving and just hanging out. Yeah, in that's the, right. In the bus. And then you, while they were setting up, what what would you do for yourself then? Would you just hang out well, with so, them? Um, or what would so you no, do? so we had a brilliant day out. We had an absolute <laughs> brilliant day out. I think we were in, where were we? Um, Orlando, I think. Oh, and I, 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 yeah, I think I phoned up John. I said, you know, we need to go and see the NASA Space Center. Ooh. Um, and he goes, oh, I think he was, you know, he's a bit tired actually. And, and then again, I think he phoned me back and said, you're absolutely right, so we need to get going. <laughs> and I think we rounded up Andrew as well. And the three of us went to the, the, the NASA Space Center. And it was absolutely a phenomenal day, mm. you know. I think we were both, you know, we were, t- were a bit tired because I think, we, you know, we had been burning the candle at both ends, you know, they were playing and then part, we were partying a bit afterwards and then late nights, acute and then travelling during the day and there was a bit of fatigue, I think. And, you know, I think everyone wanted to, wanted to rest. But we, anyway, we made the effort to go to this um, the, uh, the NASA Space Centre and it was absolutely like one of the most interesting things, you know, <laughs> to be, go there. Yeah. And then the, and the, the vastness of all these things that you see on TV and you go, actually, it's freaking huge. I, mean, I remember he and I buying like ridiculous amounts of memorabilia <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, fond, fond memories, fond memories. <laughs> you just made me remember. Do, have you heard of Nick Egan? Do you know who Nick Egan Yes, is? I have, yeah. Just reminded me because he took... John Taylor, he's his other best friend, and Michael was one of his best friends, and he took both yeah. of them to Disneyland one day. Okay. And, they- <laughs> 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 and like he said, I don't know why I did it. They both did that, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and people looking at them like, is it them? No, it can't be them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just have that feeling that would be the same with you walking around NASA and people go, yeah. do we know them? Yeah, so, so, yeah, so weirdly, now this was an interesting thing for hanging, hanging out, but, um, you know, obviously Michael took most of the heat on all the sort of like, oh, those are those dudes. Um, you know, I think in all the time, I think one or two people came up to John and said, oh, aren't you the, you know, the drummer from an excess or something like that? And, and, and they used to pride themselves on the fact that they could move around quite, you know, you know, anonymously. In fact, there's a funny story about that as well. So John was my best man at my wedding. Wow. And this photographer kept on coming up to me going, Oh, that guy looks splitting. He's a fan, so he's going to split. It's a splitting image of of John Farris from an excess. And you go, yeah, you know, maybe I don't know. Um, anyway, he go, eventually plucks up enough courage, and I, he says to John, he goes, he says to John, he goes, man, you know, you look just like the drummer from in excess. And John said, yeah, a lot of people tell me that. <laughs> <laughs>
training under someone that once knew someone that knew someone that trained under a Japanese person. This is directly underneath the master himself. And the other thing I do is um, I study under um, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, which is the ground fighting aspect of the UFC and cage fighting. So again, I've studied directly underneath underneath the Gracie family, not wow. again, someone that once knew someone that trained with someone that once knew that. So don't mess with you then. <laughs> no, I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. You well, that's what I hear. What, 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 yeah. I don't get it. So you're a nice guy, but you like hitting people. <laughs> it's worse than hitting them, by the way. <laughs> it's worse. And you can walk yeah. on paper and not rip it. Of course I can, and that levitate and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you levitate. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel that I've got a bit of a power, actually. I might as well tell yeah. you. Yeah, it's the power. It's the power of getting a parking space. So every yeah. time, yeah. So if I need one, I'll say positive mental universe, attitude. I universe, I need. And you know, I am not lying here. Someone yeah. will pull out, pull of out. yeah, and yeah. I'll I'll get it. Yeah, very good. And if I need yeah. red lights, um, green lights, I, I always get the green light. So I'm. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I need to make it into a better thing. <laughs> parking spaces are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. John obviously liked hearing you talk as well when you're talking about Yeah, but, you know, I would never say that... I was there, you know, talking to them, you know, I'll give them, you know, I'll talk to them a little bit about these ideas, but it was a friendship. It wasn't really. That's um, nice. Mm. Yeah. Um, I thought me. you were there as some sort of spiritual guide as no. well. Oh, well, you know, maybe they felt that. I thought I was there as a friend. <laughs> <laughs> they were using you, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. No, I, <laughs> no, I just enjoyed that. So I enjoyed their, their friendship. I enjoyed the fact that they opened up to, to me and allowed someone who they really didn't know into the, as I said at the beginning, their inner circle of, mm. you know, confidence. And, well, I, you know, I have they, met, um, that we, I've got a friend called Clemo, his name's David Clement, and he used yeah. to um, have a lockup in Sydney and he yeah. gave the boys the, their key, uh, his key, yeah. so they could, um, he went on to the kick tour with them for a few weeks on the coach. Yes. So he did that. So there's a few people, there's another guy um, in the UK that they, they brought along as well. So, they do have certain really nice friends that they know that they can trust and they just, you know, they, they love your energy so that they bring them on yeah. um, to come along yeah. with them. It's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. And nice memories. You know, it's interesting you. because um, I remember them being upset because they're always touring and always away from their family. And I, I never really used to go, go you know, you, you know, you do your tours and you have like six months off and it's like, every, you know, you're seeing the world, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, I didn't realise the extent that they kept on seeing the world. And yeah. of course, everything you do too much becomes a bit freaking jaded. But I remember Tim inviting me to the um, Never Tear Us Apart film series, the two two oh, piece. Oh, did you go to that yeah. as well? Yeah. So he invited me to the hotel screening um, of that. Um, so does that mean in, you know Tim Reed? 
I don't know Tim Reed. Oh, no. Okay. All right. I'll tell you who was who who was there. It's a, it's a comedian called Lee Francis who I got on really well. Yeah, with at the Lee's time. nice, but, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I speak yeah. to Lee now and again. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I got to talk to him a lot of the evening. But watching that thing, it it really shows you the extent that those guys work their butts mm. off. Yeah, you know, to the extent where they missed out on their families growing up and stuff. You know, all these things mm. um, and they were you know they were a, a phenomenal you know from that film was a phenomenally hard-working band you know it's like extraordinary like you know you barely have time to write the next album and you're out again that's um, right for, for, you know year and a bit tour world tours and stuff it's like well, even Phenomenal. when they did Wembley, they were in the studio the next day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, it's too, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, or they'd be gigging. Too, it's almost, yeah, almost or, too much, really, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I spent a few evenings with Gary actually on his own in various hotel rooms. And he's, you know, he's a bit like myself, you know, from the point of view. Of, we, we, I think we we're talking about practice and stuff like that and how you have to always be polishing your skills and stuff. And I've really got the sense that, you know, he'd always be practicing his, his trade skills and stuff like that, which, you know, I think that's really the way you, you elevate yourself from, you know, you, people have talent, but the way you get to like a really good level is to have a, you know, some talent, but often the, the ability to keep practicing, keep going over stuff over and over again is the yeah. thing that takes you to a much higher level. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. He's been, he's been posting a lot of footage of that, actually, him practicing. Yeah. Some, um, oh, some. That, I've, not seen, I've not seen that. Yeah. Um, but I do remember one evening, I think it was in um, Amsterdam, that we talked a lot about the, this, this aspect of um, practice and, you know, that you just keep hammering away at stuff till you get it. It's nice that you're talking about Gary because Gary doesn't get spoken about much, does he? Yeah. He's, he's, he's always been in the background quite a lot and never really did many interviews. So, you yeah, know, no, he's got to know his personality. Oh, yeah. nice, really nice guy. Yeah. And it, it was interesting to hear Mark Opitz a couple of weeks ago saying that um, Gary was like the computer in the band so if that if Tim needed to know what note to start on he'd just look at yeah. Gary and Gary go D or whatever D. and then just go all right and I remember I actually remember him on the same evening talking about some obscure stuff about Dutch bands or something like that um, and I think it was Hocus Pocus I think um, a band called Hocus Pocus I think it was the, or the album or the track was no it was Focus was the band Hocus Pocus was the track but you know 
It was something I I knew, which I didn't really probably expect him necessarily to know. And he, he knew all about, you know, yeah. you go, yeah, of course. And yeah. this guy, I think it was a Jan Ackerman, who was the guitar, like very famous guitarist. And we, we had a conversation about that. But, he, you know, yeah, he knew like loads of stuff. <laughs> He's one of those people that can remember and like me. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, about to yeah. say to Hayden, what year? What album? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to the tour again, so yes. you were there and you saw Michael unraveling a little. Yeah, I did. And, um, because you would have met him, you would have known how his person, I mean, he was like, um, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, eight, yeah. in 94 at Brixton. Yeah, I did see that unraveling. And I regret it to the day because I'm quite good at talking to people and stuff like that about stuff. And partly my immaturity and also because I was there as John's friend and, you know, I, my loyalty was all to John really because I knew him. And John um, was having a hard time. Exactly, yeah. And I didn't think it was fair to start splitting perhaps what might be considered loyalty and stuff like that. But I do regret even now that I never really talked to Michael too much about it. In fact, I was probably guilty of being aloof, I would say. Oh, really? So when he approached me, he approached me, I was aloof. Which, so do you think he he wanted someone to talk to then? I don't know. I don't know. You he know, was hanging, he, he was so hanging he, out so, with him the most then. So right? he was friendly. He was, he was often friendly to me, and I would say I was guilty of being aloof. Wow. Which I regret because it was it was this kind of loyalty to John, which you know I think it was owed in in one way. But then you never really want to see someone. Um, kind of unraveling and think maybe you know he might have just told me to get lost or whatever but you know I could see stuff that was going on that I could have talked and said to him about and of course what people do with that information is up to them and he may well have just said piss off or whatever um, which I you know it is what it is but you know the lesson I learned from it it's actually was weird because the, when I was in Japan training and I phoned my sister and she said Michael Hutchins died and I said oh, don't be so silly I was with them like two or three months ago you know stop don't, don't say jokes like that it's not mm. you know it's not you know that kind of stuff's not amusing and she said no no he is he's died and I'm going what and anyway of course then all, all the you know information becomes comes out and I was with someone who was also training and he said, it's terrible what's happened. But he said, the lesson for you is you never, ever watch and spectate to mm. see that happen to someone again. Mm-hmm. And that's the lesson that's I've the learned. That's the lesson learned. Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one though. It still, makes me, it still makes yeah. me sad this yeah. day. It would. Yeah, it really yeah. makes me sad. Yeah, very much so. So yeah, and as I say, you know, it might just all be like nonsense. He would just gone pissing. You know, oh, shut up. But you know, it's like again, I've never watched someone in that situation walk, walk down that path and say, no. "Come back, come back." You know, come oh, this way. Only. <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to sort of do that retrospect thing and think, "What if 
and what yeah. could you have done? And because I, you know, I thought about it. I, you know, at the time, I remember thinking about it and going. And I did spend some moments because he used to. One evening, he talked to me about um, how the English people were really against him, and how he'd stolen the Knight of the Realms. He, yeah, he phrased it the Knight of the Realms wife and I said look people Michael people don't care about that no. and the problem is is the English press want to see you react poorly mm-hmm. um, and they'll provoke you to do that if you go out if every morning and go okay guys you're here you know today I'm going to have eggs and bacon for breakfast and then I'm going to go to this um, cafe to have a coffee and then um, and make my life totally open there's no interest you know they go oh, okay this is like kind what they want to see is people getting really at angsty and upset and angry um yeah and we talked about i remember talking to him about that and i I don't think he was particularly you know he's thinking no no i think he thought no you don't understand some but i'm english of course so i i totally understand what how this works um most people didn't give a crap that he he was with paula you know, it wasn't this big, like the whole of the UK were going, well, no, you've done But it felt so, like that. And if you were in, a, a, in of course, Australia, press, it looked like that we yeah. were against but the, the press. Good. The press portrayed it like that. Yeah. But, you know, I was trying to give him, like, actual from people that live in the UK. This is mm. actually what we actually think. It's um, sad, actually, even a couple of weeks ago, um, we had um, Marco Pitts and... Um, Nick Egan on with a journalist. We invited a journalist yeah. onto the show and he sat in the background a bit, but he took notes and he also had interviews with Tim and Kirk and he made a lovely piece and put it into the newspaper and it was really nice. Within, yes. before the day was out, the Daily Mail had regurgitated, took the sensational part, part of Kylie Ugh. and um, Chris, um, uh, Helena and um, yeah. made it really horrible and, yeah. and like yeah didn't want to be associated with that at all yeah yeah awful but this is this is the the problem is was not with the people is with the press mm. and you know you, and it's you, you still know, happening yeah, no, so so is. It's like nothing has changed. You know, we've yeah. got the nonsense that's regurgitated about Brexit, the nonsense that's now regurgitated about COVID. You know, it's just appalling here as yeah. far as, sensa- as you said, the sensational media. Yeah. <clears throat> I know that um, I've had a rumour that some people have been um, contacted to get the truth out there about the Paula and Michael's um, situation with the press, their relationship with the press and how they were perceived, and to actually um, show the real truth. I hope that that gets seen properly because it's part of our rock history. I think that was a load. You know, I don't know much about this at all, but I'd say just looking at it, it was a load that skullduggery was going on. It's your 50th birthday party. What yeah. are you going to do? <laughs> this is well, a couple had, of years ago, hey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I had a, um, I rented this Chinese restaurant overlooking Wandsworth Bridge in um, in London. Um, it had a huge ground floor area. And so I got a, a, a band to come along um, that was playing like 90s, 80s, 90s music. And I just said to the singer when I was booking, I said, look, 
if you were smart, what you'd do is you'd learn a few In Excess songs because <laughs> there's a chance that a few members of the band might be there and, you know, you might get to have, you know, a, a, a jam with them. <laughs> yeah. And um, and that, and basically that's what happened. John actually did say to me, he said, you know, he said, you do understand, Simon, we don't do birthday parties. <laughs> You're a very, very lucky man that I've been told. I spoke to Tim about it because I was railroaded into that. I was very, very drunk and I played really bad. <laughs> <laughs> you say no, but the one I, I, the line, I think that, I think, um, I think the the messaging I had with him of like not recently for his birthday, but the one before, he he said I regret I regret not we didn't play more songs actually. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Which is very generous of him because you know it was very generous of them yeah. to even do one song. You know, and they were as get they're there as guests, and yeah. so it was very freaking generous of them to how uh, wonderful for you though that would oh, be yeah, yeah, I mean, no, awesome anyway you filmed it, was an it unbelievable but... experience yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Tim had to play bass didn't he that's right that's yeah. right yeah we did mention that a few times in the video <laughs> <laughs> I've never played bass <laughs> <laughs> oh oh poor Timmy can't play at all now yeah boat accident yeah mm. Angry. It's sad. You know, I always find it sad that we live so far apart. Yeah. You know, we, I'm in London there in Australia because, you know, that it's always great times when we meet up and stuff. And, uh, you know, I stayed with John in 90, I think it was 99 in Woolara and um, in Sydney, his house in there. Do you like festivals? Yeah, we did a load of, we did a fe- some festivals. Where did we do some festivals? We went to festivals with, um, I think it was John Stevens singing. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's, and so this is an interesting, a funny story. So my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, she's Irish. And so we went to this um, thing called the um, Rose of Tralee, which is basically this like beauty pageant, I think, essentially. But it's all, it's a festival mm. in, in Kerry in Ireland and Tralee. John, I think it was one of the first gigs John did with them, I think. They said, oh, why don't you come out and meet us there? So we went out and met them there. And then Davo um, said, what are you doing for the rest of the, you know, the next few weeks? And I said, well, you know, we got we're supposed to be going to someone's wedding um, tomorrow in London, in England. And they said, well, you're kind of on tour with us. So they took us off to, in the private plane to, I think we landed in Cologne in, um, or Cologne in um, Germany. God, and we had some weird experiences on that trip. And then up to Gdansk, where we ended up in some mobster's apartment. Um, after, after, you know, so Davo said, um, can you look after the guys, make sure they're okay? And, I, I, and my wife um, was there as well. And I, and I just said, look, the rule, the only rule is, is we all travel together. We don't get split up into lots of things. And they go, yeah, no problem. So John was with my wife. And then I go, okay, let's get Kirk. And I can't remember this. I think it was Gary maybe. And I said, guys, we're going out. And I look around and John and my wife are getting into this kind of mobster's car. Oh, no. <laughs> off the road. I'm going, oh, no. <laughs> I think it, yeah, it was. I think Gary and, and Kirk and I were in another car going, 
come on, we've got to catch these guys up. But anyway, it all turned out, out. it was an extraordinary evening. We went to this, this um, apartment block, inside the apartment block, in, in this guy's apartment, there's like a rotating um, mirror board. There's a guy serving behind a bar. There's a pool table and there's this ridiculous amount of smoke that kept wafting. They used to pump out and you could literally, it was like being in front, you couldn't see anyone, like literally in front of your face. And then remember being, we said we wanted to go and being escorted out by this huge guy who I'm sure had a gun or something like that. And and very nicely being taken back to the hotel and made sure we got home okay. It was very decent, but you could see there was underlying weirdness yeah. of what they might be, might or may not have been doing for a living. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's a story. Wow, yeah. it could have ended a bit different if your wife had gone of off. Course, of course, of course. And that's what I was anxious about. Yeah. But it was all totally, they, these people were very, very, again, generous and open and stuff, but there was a sense that they probably weren't the nicest people if you on the wrong side of them. But it was a bizarre, it was a bizarre evening. That's what I remember. Because we started off in this nightclub, which some of them didn't come to. I don't think John Stevens came to it. I don't think. And Andrew didn't come. I don't, I'm pretty sure Andrew wasn't there either. No, so it's hard to run. <laughs> Andrew would be sitting in some toilet somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just sound a bit like one of my nights out, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're like kind of kindred spirits and it's a shame that, um, as I say, we live so far apart. You know, we're different, but we there's there's some, you know, I don't know, I seem, you know. He's quite a quiet man, isn't he? Yeah, a lot of people say that, but he and I, I think, kind of hit it off right from the beginning. You know, I th- I, but I can see that he's very cautious of people. Mm. Um, he's like, he doesn't kind of jump into kind of friendships, friendships with people. Yeah. yeah. And yet that's, you've been but we, we hit each other. You know, I remember in Hong Kong when we actually sat down, I remember just talking all evening. A lot of like kind of similar ideas and stuff. So it was interesting because obviously I hit things, he hits things as well. And so we used to talk a bit about <laughs> the, the methodology of, of hitting stuff. Yeah. 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 I haven't thought of that before. Yeah. And I used to look at, you know, he used to, he always wears gloves and stuff like that. And I was mm. trying, always trying to figure out what could I give him so he didn't tear his hands apart. Oh. Yeah. Some te- technical movement or something to, to help him on that. So he didn't have to have all that tape and gloves and stuff like that. How to sort of like give him all triumphant between us, actually. It's not just me. We, you know, we always used to be like a, that's what we used to be so much, so good about. It was always a two way thing. Yes. Helping one another. Trying to figure stuff out together. You know, I'll go, okay, this is my bit. And you go, yeah, but this is what I do. And we try and, Solve stuff. <laughs> That's the best friendships, isn't it? When you can yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so it's mutually, mutually. Mm. You know, everyone gains from it. 
Yeah. You know, so it's always, you know, conversations that we always have together. Always felt like we walked, we walk, walked away from that having had some improvement in something. It was always like, a, rather than just kind of being chit-chat or, you know, pleasant, but it was always a kind of a, felt like a self-improving conversation. From How did you hanging, feel about hanging, leaving him then went on the on the tour in 19... Oh, you know, it was sad. And he phoned me up and told me, yeah. you know, some of the difficulties I had with Michael at the time and stuff like that. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, you know, it was... It's all, te- you know, it's all like sad, really. You know, you know, it's always sad. So it's always sad. You know, I still have memories. Um, you know, we, we, you know, I remember like both Tim and him leaving my house at like four o'clock in the morning or something, like <laughs> waving to them on the as they got into cabs and stuff like that. And it's always very, you know, sad. To, um, yeah kind of um, have that because you know that it's going to be often quite a long time yeah um, before you see them again because of the distance and stuff like that but it sounds Um, like you've got a very nice friendship with all of them not just John yeah Um, Timmy and and John really you know the people and Kirk to a degree the the guys I really you know stay in touch with I think that you've got a very special relationship with them it's really nice and I'm really honoured yeah. that I that you came on and you've uh, that's all right no yeah, I just wanted to be able to understand you know that how nice these guys are you know they are they it deserve is. all the su- success for the hard work they do and they're gen- genuinely unaffected really really nice people I know, you know really nice exceptionally nice people exceptional yeah, yeah. to be where I am as well Sometimes I feel a bit of a fraud, you know, like, <laughs> like I'm a fan, but am I that much of a fan? And they go, yeah, you're talking about in excess every day, but you've got a pug on your own. <laughs> you're like, yeah, but how did I get here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're talking to Tim, you're talking to, oh, it's like, oh, surreal. It's nice that it's all coming together. And we had something come up to say that Matchbox 20 are now candidates for the yeah. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, also, before I forget, some, something else is I've probably got some of the last footage on the Elegantly Wasted tour of Michael oh. performing on video, but I don't know. It's, I don't know if it's, it's kind of, comp- you know, I'd, I'd definitely would have to get band approval or something like that. I can't just like put it out there. Well, if it's you just know. them on stage, you'd be okay. Well, it's on stage, but you know, but it's side of stage because I always used to get a seat side of stage and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, Ask them. And Ask also, them. it's been a very and long a bit time of back, ago. and a bit of backstage and a bit of backstage. But you know, I, I've had that for years, and I've never, you know, I, I, I don't want to betray trust and stuff like yeah. that. Well, but you see, there's probably a load of it out out there. And it'd probably probably be nice to documentary or something because there's some of the footage is you know all the backstage stuff as well yeah all all my stuff it would be have to be sanctioned by the band because I I don't don't do that portray um and anything you know betray any any of them and like you know because it's about them not about me kind of thing and um you know, I've kept, I've sat on it for God knows how you know, since '97. So yeah, you know, you might you it, must go and watch it again. Yeah, it'll be up. To, it's up to them. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It was really lovely speaking to you. I hope to get you on again, maybe. 
prompt me with more more um remember your story stories yes exactly yeah. <laughs> all right you take care nice to talk to you, Bridget. yeah all right enjoy care. your day bye, bye. thank you bye Now, B, as we've just come off our topic there, well done, but you've just reminded me of something that you forgot. So that sounds a bit odd. You've reminded me of something you forgot. <laughs> I think the listeners know what we mean. Well, last week we did send a no, little file. I think you reminded me of something that I forgot. <laughs> At the end of the day, you forgot something. But look, we like to wrap up every album with a little bit of a summary and the stats and things. And I, I did a little voiceover to record of all the little welcome to wherever you are stats that tied up just... For those enthusiastic out there about chart positions, mm. record sales, reviews, you know, videos, etc. there. So we might throw to that little audio B and play a little bit of statistically speaking on Welcome to Wherever You Are. Welcome to a new section called Statistically Speaking the section where we break down all the key stats of an album, uh, how it's performed and how it's received. Obviously, we've just come off the Welcome to Wherever You Are reviews and we wanted to basically give a breakdown on all the key stats, such as firstly, the album charts. This was an album that actually charted and debuted at number one in the UK. Uh, first album to do so since ACDC's Back in Black from an Australian artist. Uh, it was number one in Sweden. It was number two in Switzerland number two in Australia, unfortunately kept off the top by Jesus Christ Superstar, number three in Norway, number eight in Germany, number 10 in Canada, and number 16 in America. So probably from a commercial point of view in America, uh, it wasn't the juggernaut we hoped it to, it would be. Over time, it did actually uh, build its fan base and hit a platinum status, uh, and probably even more than that, truly speaking. From the singles point of view of uh, the album, uh, the singles that actually released was probably a very different sort of structure to other past albums. They released different singles in different continents and different regions. So in terms of Heaven Sent, uh, that was released in Australia, which hit number 13, uh, hit number 31 in the UK, uh, hit 39 in Canada. Uh, but I didn't get a billboard or a billboard result in America, although it was on the alternative tracks at number two and the rock charts at number four. In terms of Baby Don't Cry, that was given a release in Australia and hit only number 30. Uh, however, it actually hit number 20 in the UK, uh, building on sort of the commercial breakthrough of this particular album for In Excess. In Canada and in the USA, it wasn't released, so no results there. In terms of the next single, Taste It, we have a result in Australia where it was intertwined with the double A side uh, of Not Enough Time and it peaked at 36. Uh, in the UK, uh, it peaked at 21. Uh, consolidating another single that's uh, obviously uh, helping in excess uh, sort up the charts there. Uh, in the US, uh, it came in under the what we call the bubbling under 100 or under the surface 100 charts, and it hit number one there, so a bit of a Mickey Mouse chart classification, and number five in the modern rock charts. Not enough time we mentioned before was given a standalone release, though, in the USA as the lead single, Not Heaven Sent, and hit number 28 on the Billboard charts there. Uh, moving to Beautiful Girl, one of the more sort of global successful singles. Interestingly, in Australia, hit number 34. UK hit number 23. And in Canada, hit number nine. So the last single off the album was the best performing single in Canada. Uh, in the USA, it peaked at number 46. 
and did garner a Grammy nomination for Best Video uh, of the Year for Mark Pellington's uh, directed video there. In terms of critics, the next thing we'd like to talk about, this was probably the most critical acclaimed album of Inexcess's career, uh, especially in the UK where Q Magazine voted, in the, voted it in the top 10 albums of the year release and gave it a four out of five uh, star rating. I know uh, The Independent, which was a music publication, Andy Gill, who uh, went on to produce uh, with Michael, who uh, moonlighted as also as a journo. He gave a top 10 album of the year in The Independent uh, reviews, and he said it was the best record by some distance, bristling with pop hooks applied in odd directions, which I thought was a really good commentary. And that got a four out of five there. In terms of uh, all music publications, I got a three and a half out of five there, which was a pretty consistent rating. And Rolling Stone was the sort of stumbling block. Uh, this particular publication in Australia gave it three out of five, and the, the blurb of the review was pretty good, but it only got a three out of five. Uh, in America, though, uh, it only got a two out of five, uh, and there was a bit of a stupid journalist there called Vic Garbarini, who uh, I guess we'll call Goose Garbarini, who just didn't get it. Uh, you can go onto Wiki and see what he said, but I think the albums, they outlasted uh, Vic's career. I guess in terms of some of the key critics, uh, this one, generally speaking across the board, was the most well-received uh, album of their career. Lastly, in terms of accreditation, as I said earlier, it did go platinum in America, but those chart figures are a bit old and delayed. Uh, it has it hitting platinum status of a million copies sold uh, by 1997. Uh, some 24 years later, uh, I'm sure it has probably doubled uh, in sales values over there. At the time, in 1997, it had it listed as uh, over 3 million sales at that juncture. So, you know, maybe it's hit over five by now. Uh, it's always hard to get up-to-date stats and with all the streaming platforms, it all sort of change its metrics and things. But that's statistically speaking. Welcome to wherever you are. This is Glenn from Sydney. Thanks for listening. Uh, that's a wrap. It's a goodbye from me. All right, well, that's a wrap, B. We uh, end of episode 82. I think we just worked out with uh, the year fast approaching. We've only got probably two more episodes till the end of the year. I think we have the 12th of December, the 19th. We thought Christmas Eve or Boxing Day or Christmas Day, we would let the listeners have family time and not be burdened with uh, having to fit us into their Christmas festivities. Yes, I'd like to have a break, <laughs> Hayden. That would be rather Great. nice. Thank you. Well, uh, in, in our wrap, we love to get to a bit of fan engagement, I guess. There's always uh, lots and lots of interactions, and I think Twitter seems to be going off the last few days with people. It goes on a bit of a burst, doesn't it, where people are interacting mm. and sharing, but uh, over to you for fan engagement. Well, I'd like to say hi to people that have given us a mention on Twitter. So thanks for Twittering about us. So hi to Daryl Drown. And we've also got John Carlton, Ellie Silk, Gerando Tassara. Hope I said that right. Kataran Man, Miss K, Sheila, Teresa M, Richard Cole, Papa B, Jack Flapjack, Eric Giapata, Karen Myhill, Desiree, and Paul Stenning. Thank you all for giving us a mention. I'm in with the in crowd. I go with the in crowd
Well, we did mention a little bit at the auction for Baby Don't Cry, so we can only say if you haven't got it, you are a collector or you love the song or you want to be involved with a very rare item, at the time of recording, this has probably only got, well, it's, uh, at the time of release, only about three or four more days left. So get in early. Also, too, just a little thing B and I spoke about. If you would like to advertise something in your area or something with your business or something that connects with people, we are very open-minded to having a chat with you and doing a voiceover reading. I know we did that with our T-shirts earlier in the year, B. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we were, uh, I think, doing uh, a little promo for a T-shirt company that were uh, doing good things in the T-shirt industry. So we're happy to sell our souls for a couple of bucks to help the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and also help your business as well. So if you are interested, drop us an email through our platforms and we can maybe put something together that helps you and your community out. Yeah, so- a product or a service, we can help you out with that. You just get in touch and we can see what we can do. Yeah. Probably the last thing before we go into our tributes and things like that, something we're very, very excited about, Being and I, I think we spoke about this a few months ago, but with all of the great live music and all the recent sort of videos of Wembley and all the concerts and things that we've done, and In Excess was such a great live act, we thought what we would do that leads into our last show of the year, December 19th, is we want to have uh, all of our community of listeners on In Excess Access All Areas Help design uh, your or our dream in excess live concert. We want to sort of uh, let you put on your imagination hats for a point in time. Imagine if in excess were to play live again. Imagine if Michael was still with us. Can you come up with what would be the best opening song? Can you come up? What would be the best encore? Can we all come up with what would be the final song? Can we come up with support acts who might be on the bill? Maybe you too could get a gig being a supporting band on the tour. What venue could we play at? You know, we've done Wembley and all these other ones. Where could mm-hmm. we have in excess what play country? this dream yeah. gig at? And we what was Michael like- wearing? <laughs> What's Michael wearing? <laughs> What's he not wearing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what does he start off with and end up in? <laughs> yes, yes. So we would like to think that over the next two weeks, we can have a lot of interaction on our platforms. We might put some polls up and put some interaction. And then what we would like to do, B, is leading up to that last week is sort of tabulate all of our community's wish list. This is not you and I. This is our community coming yeah. up with the best ideas. And then on that last uh, episode of the year, we will read out the song list. We will go through what venue it is. We might play a few little theatrics and weave it into an audio narrative B. You know, imagine you have edit 24, 25 live songs. You know, imagine if we could combine everything from the debut album through to Elegantly Wasted. Cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we can look at all of the all of these songs and uh, come up with a December 19th in uh, excess live virtual concert. If Abbott can do it, we can do it. Bring it on. Bring, Bring it, it on. on. Before we go, though, yep. have you said enough about that? First I have. Of all? Are you sure? Yes. Okay. We have got something very, very exciting to tell you. Okay. Drum roll, please. Go on. Give me one. I thought you were going to drum. You're a drummer, aren't you? I just did. That's better. In excess, have come to the party. And only 100 of these have been made. They have given us the last escape deck to give away to our listeners. So, And how how do you win it? Just a name out of a hat? It will be a name out of a hat. But how do you yep. get into the hat, Hayden? Well, we might have to go to Andrew's place, still that golf hat. 
Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to have to have a big hat because this is going to be a full on for everybody. Yeah. So to get into the hat, you have to subscribe to our website or yeah. and subscribe to our newsletter. So okay. each time you subscribe, you get into the hat and we'll right. have your name. So don't worry. So you don't you have could, to be a patron, you can just be a subscriber. Yeah. Well, well, listen to this. If you're a patron, you, you get more tickets in the hat. Yeah, you're on it. Right. Okay. So <laughs> okay. if you're a bronze, if you're yeah. a bronze patron already and you become a patron a patron, you will get five entries into the hat. Right. If you're a silver patron, you will get 10 entries. If you are a gold patron, you get 20. Are you got you getting it? Got the juice. If you are a platinum, you get 30 times yeah. to get into that hat to win. Well, you're going to have to get your kids to be cutting all these things out on school holidays to help I us. I am going to go old school. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, can I get an app? But no, you know, I'm going to do this old school. Yeah, I'm going to get the kids working on this. So if you are a platinum member already, you're going to get 30 entries. But right. if you're not and you want to get a skateboard, then you can. Right. Now, this is going to be our grand prize, the skateboard. And then right. we've got a few more prizes. We've also got... And we we, we draw this out in the last episode for the year? Well, I'll get to that. So we've got the grand prize of the InXS skateboard coming from um, InXS. The first prize is the, a vintage fan kit from Merry Woods. Yep. Second prize is a set of the picks that Kirk has given us, thrown yep. in a few of the little bits and pieces in that yep. one. Third prize is a silver membership onto the podcast. And the fourth prize is a bronze membership for a year. Get the four prizes now. plus the skateboard, yeah? No, no, no. They're for four different people. Hey, five prizes. Five prizes, yeah. So there's a skateboard to win, and then there's the four others, yeah. Yeah. So okay. the first, the first person will get be pulled out. Will get fourth prize, and then we'll go on yeah. from there. Okay. okay. So me and Hayden are going to get together on the second of January. That's in Australia, and we're going to do a live stream, and we're going to draw the prize. So you can't go anywhere, Hayden. You've okay. got a day off. Okay, so this is kicking off our year. We'll draw these winners, yeah? Yeah, you've got a day okay. off. So, um, yeah, we're going to do the 2nd of January, right. 2022. We right. get about 12 days off from the podcast. Do we? Yeah, 13 yeah. days. Yeah. Well, we'll do a live show anyway, what won't am I, we? What, what am I going to do with my life? I... Well, you can talk to me. I'll let you. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> All right, so let me finish. Keep keep going. Bring it home, B. So if you want to, like, listen to me again, you can, (laughs) but I'm sure you don't want to. But what you should go is get onto our website. It's on the front page there. It's on the home page. All the details are there, and there's a little subscribe button. Hit it. Subscribe. Okay, now you can talk. All right. Well, in light of today's episode being a little John Farris theme and Simon's uh, friendship that lives to this day, we thought we would go out with a little bit of a John tribute, I guess, to Simon, but also the little tidbit at the end. The song we're going to go out with is a B-side that was uh, recorded between the Listen Like Thieves and Kick album, and the song is called I'm Over You, which is a John written and vocaled uh, number and one of the great B-sides that I know I used to be playing a lot at uni in the 90s, so we're going to go out with that song uh, as a tribute. But for our avid InXS fans and listeners, we're going to add another little rare ditty. This is actually the wedding band... Uh, sorry, the, the 50th birthday party, I think, isn't it? Not the wedding, is that right? Yeah, it's uh, 50th Where birthday, there's, yeah. A certain, there's a certain 
group of NXS members who get up at uh, Simon's birthday <laughs> and decide to, to, to take over from the cover band and play some NXS songs. And rumour has it there could be three members from NXS who did this, B. Is that right? You can just imagine them like they're there having a lovely time <laughs> up the, and then they go, oh, they go, go on, go on. Like, no. Uh, we, yeah, we yeah. You are, you're getting us. We have it in excess <laughs> doing the, uh, the the 50th birthday party circuit here with a little ditty that you'll all know as well. We'll slip on after the uh, after the John I'm Over You composition. So, B, it is a goodbye from me. You think they'll do your 60th, Hayden? Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> 20 years time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a goodbye from B. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>
Yes. <laughs> I think we can all agree Hello. that Simon Chinky Yo <laughs> is a one-off. <laughs> Whatever you say about him, he's a one-off. And I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have another one-off. Oh, Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in ever, I've we have Kurt Pengilly from In Excess. We have Johnny John Farris from In Excess. We have Timmy Tim Farris from In Excess. And ladies and gentlemen, we have Steve Disney. I've never played bass ever. Can I just say that they are the most talented musicians on earth, ladies and gentlemen, but Tim has never played bass in his life. <laughs> He's going to give it his best shot. And I also like to say that Steve learned these words on the M1 this afternoon. So take it as you will, but ladies and gentlemen, I give you three quarters of in excess I'm not 